Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel Wheel, hanging out with you as we've got hopefully a full show. We're waiting on a couple guests. So Chris Dingman was a part of the Avalanche 01 team that we will hopefully see here in a little bit. DMAC is also traveling right now. He's at the Oilers team hotel as they had media availability. So we're hoping to connect with him to be able to hear. But otherwise, Jake, we got a big game last night. It was one I don't think anyone was really expecting by the Oilers not getting on the board at all. But now that you've had some time to digest it, was this easily the best win for the Avs so far this postseason? You know, when you said big game that no one was expecting, I thought you were going to talk about Derek White at first for the, you know, the former Colorado Buffalo going off for the Boston Celtics in that game one win out in Golden State. But yeah, you know, we said it on the show yesterday, Rachel. Uh we did not feel like the vibes were good going into that game. Historical data from the prior couple series told us that, hey, maybe game two is a rough spot for the abs and a bright spot for the Oilers. But that was total domination. Like from start to finish, the abs had the, the hammer on the puck, so to speak, to use Jared Badnar's phrasing of it. Um, they looked really good. I mean, they got most of their production done within that three-minute stretch, but they were good outside of that. And I was really impressed with their ability to stay rather disciplined. They had a couple dumb penalties in the game, um, but that's what you get from Abu Abu Kabel every once in a while. You, you get a bad penalty. So, yeah, I really liked what I saw from the Avs last night. And honestly, the most impressive part, even though he didn't make that many miraculous saves, Pavel Francouz went in the first period. It was a little bit trying to do too much, maybe. He settled in and had a really strong game. And this is a guy I said in the past last year, Rachel, I thought Pavel Francouz was better than Philip Rubauer. Uh, I think Pavel Francouz is a really talented goalie who just has either been injured every time he's about to have his shot or never has really had his shot. So I really like the fact that he's gotten his shot. It's still a little bit anxiety inducing that it's happening this deep into the playoffs but the fact that he's taken it and run with it here in game two game two really impressive absolutely all right we can see chris dingman is online with us now we're so excited because he was a part of the avalanche team back in 01 we're gonna bring him in here shortly we're obviously we're stoked to have somebody who's won a stanley cup obviously neither jake or i have won but chris how are you thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning Doing pretty good. Uh, can you hear me okay? I got you. Yeah, thank you so much. Perfect. Yeah, I'm doing uh, not too bad. I feel uh, I feel my age today. I've been uh, skating with my girls' hockey team and uh, my kids a little bit. So uh, when I try too hard, uh, I feel like I played a playoff game, but I didn't because uh, I'm way too old and slow. But uh, I feel like I played one. So I understand what the guys are maybe going through after a couple tough games. Okay, so you obviously you've gone through the playoff runs in the past too. What similarities do you see between this Colorado Avalanche team now? You know, they're predicted obviously to win the Stanley Cup and the team that you were a part of when you were here in Colorado. I think um you know, when I was there in Colorado, we traded for Ray Bork and you know, he came and we lost that first year and then the next year it was awesome. Like going into camp, it was we're going to finish first overall. So if we have a game 7, it's in our building and anything less is unacceptable and just the atmosphere around that was just fantastic and I think you know what this uh current uh Avs team is that you have a ton of talent obviously uh you have depth you have great players but they've experienced some failures before like in the past where they've had goaltender issues not issues but obviously the injuries a couple of years ago in the bubble they've had great teams so they and it sucks to say this but they've experienced losing and 
you have to do that sometimes and just realize how bad it sucks and how painful it is to, you know, talk about how you're a favorite or maybe you should have won and you didn't. So, you know, I think this team has, uh, you know, had uh, had some failures in the past and you see just from the first couple of games here that they're a different team and uh, the Oilers were playing great and their top guys, obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl are great players and everything was humming along and uh, they've run into a different team. So, uh, you know, living in Edmonton now, uh, obviously everyone's all pumped about the Oilers and excited about the playoffs, much like, you know, everyone is in, in Denver and stuff. But uh, I don't know what the Oilers are going to do because uh, they're playing against a team that uh, can skate probably better than them as a whole, which is not too often you're going to say that about a guy like Connor McDavid, who's probably the fastest, if not one of the fastest guys in the league. But it did not look good. I thought uh, Edmonton was okay in game one, and then they are okay uh, last night too, but then – you know, that one goal and then just, uh, I hate to use a pun, but the avalanche uh, started and <laughs> things did not go well for him. So uh, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the Oilers moving forward. You mentioned you live in Edmonton. You are part of an avalanche team. Who are you rooting for this season? Um, well, obviously teams I've played for. Okay. Uh, you know, I follow obviously all the teams I've played for, but uh, yeah, I like to, you know, the Avs have been a good team for a couple of years now, and I think they deserve to. They remind me of San Jose a little bit, like back in the day, about 10 years ago or so, where they kept making it to the conference finals, or they, you know, they had good teams. They were just never able to get over the hump, or I think this Avs team has the ability to do that. And I think anytime when you go, you don't have your starting goalie, and then you got to go down to another one. So obviously for Francis to get an opportunity and, you know, not only play, but win and get a shutout. I mean, I love how they were talking about, you know, like when they did the interview with him after, is that, uh, you know, he was talking about the team, you know, the team, you know, the team, the team. It wasn't about him. He wasn't talking about himself. It was all about the team. And I thought that was fantastic. So I think, uh, you know, anytime, you know, you have, uh, you know, you again, you have some adversity uh, like this team is having with the goaltenders uh, being injured and stuff. And like we had that too. Peter Forsberg lost his spleen for, for God's sakes, we were, out, we were out for dinner at the chop house and he said his stomach hurt and then, you know, all of a sudden he got surgery that night. So, we, you know, we dealt with a little bit of that back in the day. So, you know, good teams in this avalanche is a great, good team and they're going to become a great team is that um, you have to deal with adversity, you have to deal with some injuries and, you know, they showed they could do that obviously uh, in the last couple of years, but especially last night. When you have your backup goaltender go in, how does it shift the mindset of the team? You know, when you look at it from a media standpoint, we're like, oh, they're going to have to rally. Like, they're going to have to play extra hard. Is that the same mentality that you deal with as a player? Or is it you know this person can do their job and you just trust in it? A couple different ways to look at it. Like, for me, is that you're an NHL goaltender. So you're good. Like, you're a good, you're a good goaltender. So you maybe just there's a goalie who's better than you. So. I think as a team and as a player, you just talk about uh, when you have a guy come in is that you want to keep it simple and like for the first few shots, you want to try and get him a shot from the outside. Like any, like not a point blank uh, in the slot uh, one time where you want to try and give him like a wrist shot from the outside so you can feel the puck a little bit. And, you know, like teams are really good at this is that, you know, any team I've been on, obviously that abs team uh, we won was an unbelievable group of players and guys is that, you play for each other. Like, so you're playing for yourself, but you're playing for each other to come playoff time. So I'm sure, you know, listen to the guys talk and uh, McKinnon and a few of them, but like everything they're saying is that we're going to play well for this guy. We're we're going to play for him. We're not going to, you know, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to tighten up defensively. You know, we're going to not, you're not that you're not going to play better for your starting goalie, but uh, 
you know, they know he's going to be nervous. Like everyone knows that. Like if you're going in, you're, you haven't played in the playoffs or, you know, you're filling in for a guy, you're going to be nervous. Everyone knows that. So I'm sure that's what they talked about. And that's what guys, you know, we would have talked about is, Hey, listen, we're not going to turn the puck over. We're going to keep it simple. And, you know, just let him see the puck and let him, uh, let him play. And then you know, obviously he did a great job uh, stepping in and, you know, guys just need that opportunity <clears throat> once in a while. It's just uh, Tom Brady. You know, you're one injury away from Tom Brady, and that worked out to be pretty good. So, you know, hopefully they can get healthy too. But it's just a great – that's what's so good about the playoffs. And you don't really watch – you know, like, I don't watch, like, whole games and during the season just because, you know, having kids and being busy, it's hard to just uh, dedicate uh, a couple hours, two, three hours to watch a game, especially with a two-and-a-half-year-old now. But uh, the playoffs are just so great in the fact that, you know, you're seeing guys get opportunities and then, you know, a guy like Kadri who's a great player and why Toronto ever traded him away, I have no idea. But uh, I love getting on the social media and, you know, everyone ripping the Leafs for trading him because look how well he's playing uh, for the Avs. And he's just one of those guys. He's a playoff guy. He's, he's gritty. He's borderline, maybe a little dirty, maybe, but he's physical and he's scoring. And guys like that are invaluable. Oh, he's definitely earning his next big paycheck here in Denver. We hope we can keep him. I don't think that the Avalanche will be able to, but wherever he goes next, man, Kadri is going to be outstanding. But you mentioned that he's physical. You were also pretty much a tough guy in your days when you were playing. Uh, who do you kind of feel like has that same energy now on this Avalanche team that maybe you connect with? <clears throat> well, um, Say Nathan McKinnon, but uh, he's he's way better than I ever was, so <laughs> way faster. But you know, I think Kaji's kind of a guy. I mean, obviously I fought more, but uh, you know, I like the physicality of it. It's, uh, you know, Landis Scog's a great player too, and you know, in playing physical, like people maybe misinterpret what toughness is, and for me, toughness is you know, like Burkowski, like anybody, just like uh, Josh Manson. You know, he's a he's a tough guy, but he's scoring and. Toughness is not only fighting, but it's uh, it's a willingness to pay the price for me. Is it, you know, blocking a shot, going in the corner, you know, taking a cross check, taking a punch. So, you know, I think there's a few guys on that team. Uh, I don't know if I can compare uh, myself to anybody because guys are way too good now. They're way too fast. and uh, So I don't think it would be fair. I don't think it would be fair to them to compare myself. But, uh, you know, obviously when looking at teams and having played with Joe Sackick and, you know, Sacks is one of the best guys and super quiet. And I want to – I don't want to bother him, but <clears throat> I want to. I, like, I just want to text him and be like, "It's okay to smile once in a while," because he's always up in the, you know, he's in his suite and he's just like this, and like best poker face ever. Like you can be up by three goals, you can be down by three goals. It's just like it's okay to smile a little bit, like especially the first game and things, and even the second game. But uh, yeah, I don't think it'd be fair. I don't think it'd be fair for me to compare myself to anybody because those guys are way too good. I love that you say that because here in Denver, we've talked about that too. Like he is just the exact same facial expression, no matter what, if they're winning in overtime or if they're down by one or two, it's, it's the same facial expression. We're just hoping that if they can get the Stanley cup, we'll see a really, really big smile out of him. But I have a personal question for you too. We always talk about, do coaches tell you don't go out there and fight, right? You were a fighter. You said that. Do they ever tell you don't go out there and fight, or do they just trust you to trust your instincts and be like, all right? Um, well, it depends on the coach, to be honest with you. Like, every coach is different. And, you know, I've had coaches like Bob Harley telling me not to fight, like, don't fight. And then he'll put me out there, he put me out there against Brashear one time, and we're up like 7 nothing or 5 nothing in the first period. And all Brashear wants to do is fight. So he's like, let's go, let's go. And it's kind of, you're in a bad spot. But, um, 
Yeah, coaches will definitely do that, especially in, uh, you know, games where it's getting a little testy. It's always like, hey, keep your emotions in check. And, you know, there's not as much fighting anymore. Like, they're, you know, we've seen that the fighting's gone down, but the intensity's still there. So, I think, you know, I really like for the Avs when, you know, the Oilers were getting frustrated, especially towards the end there. They didn't really engage because you don't want to give another team anything to, you know, to go on like, hey, we want to fight at the end or anything. So, um, you know, coaches do do a little bit of that. But, I mean, a lot of it's the guys, to be honest with you. You have – you know, if Landeskog and McKinnon, guys like that, you have good leadership. You have great leadership, actually. You know, not good, sorry. Great leadership. And I guarantee they're on the bench saying, hey, you know, let's be disciplined. Let's, you know, don't don't engage. Don't engage after the whistle because that's what they want to do. They want to try and get a spark. So, yeah, coaches will tell you not to fight. Some coaches will tell you to fight. But uh, for the most part, it's the guys. I, you know, I've played with some great teammates. Jeff Hodges was a guy that – you know, if we had a couple power plays back in the day, he'd say, listen, don't touch anybody. Like, you can hit, but don't even, like, put your stick anywhere near a guy because they're looking to make a call. So don't even, you know, don't even go anywhere near. Like, so uh, it's usually the guys, sometimes the coaches, but usually the guys. Okay. So the leadership is on the ice. That's where it kind of stays and the conversation happens. Now, yesterday the Avs got seven power play opportunities. Evander Kane had quite a few, you know, I don't want to say dirty hits, but he was definitely making his presence be known in your personal opinion. Were they good hits in his opinion or in your opinion, were they good hits? Were they sloppy? Were they just late? You know, what, what did you think about his play last night? Of Evander Cates? Mm-hmm. Um, not as good as the Calgary series, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, he's a guy that's uh, – his ups and downs with some of the personal things and the off ice stuff, but uh, you know, just watching him come to Edmonton and what he's done, scoring goals, and he's a physical presence. And you know, I think he was a big part of that. Uh, the last series for the Oilers, where you know Matthew Kachuk's a guy that every whistle off the whistle, he's slashing a guy, he's shoving a guy. And, you know, I remember the one whistle, like he he went like and he, he slashed Kane, and Kane just turned around, and just whacked him, and basically was like, "I'm going to take your head off, like go you know blank yourself." and Kachuk was like, oh, God, I didn't, wasn't expecting that. And, you know, Kane had already scored, and then they line up, and then Kachuk goes at him, and he basically challenges him, like, come on, let's go. And what doesn't fight him, and then Kane goes down and scores, scores a second goal. So Kachuk fights him, he doesn't score, and then he ends up scoring a third goal. So, um, you know, he's a player that, uh, you know, similar to Kadri, where, you know, they ride the line, I guess would be the best way to say it. So um, there's always some questionable things uh, you know, if the playoffs, we've seen the offside call. Was it offside? Was it not? There's always some controversy. But, you know, I think those guys, uh, you know, he definitely had some dirty hits for sure. Uh, but he's a player that's, you know, keeps guys honest where, you know, he'll fight. He can score goals, and but he'll fight. And, you know, uh, and it's uh, guys knowing that. But he's also a guy that will snap too. So, uh, you know, I think there's some players, and, I, you know, bringing up Kadri again, like, you know what he did in the series before in St. Louis? Like, they were worried about, like, killing him. They were they were worried about, like, getting at him and not worried about winning the games, per se. So, you know, anytime you have a guy that can agitate people and play on the line, I guess you want to call it, and maybe do some things that uh, aren't on the up and up or maybe within the rule book, um, you know, you, you, you need those guys, I guess. And uh, definitely some questionable things. But Kane is just trying to get something going. He's trying to, you know, provide a spark and – you know, especially just anything. Like, I'm sure that's, you know, what his coach was telling him, what Woodcroft was telling him, or no, he, what, the coach wouldn't even need to tell him. He would tell himself, like, I got to get something going. I got to do something. I got to try and, you know, 
spark something physically or whatever. So there are definitely some questionable things, but you know, you need that. You need guys that uh, will try and provide a spark. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us on this Friday morning. I think you should text Joe Sackick though and tell him to smile. It's all right. They've made it to the Western conference. <laughs> no, no, he so can't. Much. Yeah, no problem. No, he can't smile until they win the series. True, true, true. Well, they got a 2-0 lead. Let's hope that they can get some stuff done in Edmonton. Again, thanks so much for hanging out with us on this Friday morning. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you. All right. We will now have Jake Hop back in with us here. DMAC, you know, he is traveling all over. He's trying to get to all the presser stuff today. It's a busy day. The abs are having media as they head off to Edmonton. Then we've got the Josh Kroenke press conference. So, Jake, we got a lot going on today. When yeah. you look at Josh Kroenke, we're finally hearing from him. It's been a week and a half. He's gone through COVID. There's still a lot of questions up in the air. Yeah, I'm the person wrangling DMAC right now. And, uh, he texted me. He's like, yeah, I'm at the airport. I'm like, oh, have a safe flight. No worries. He's like, no, no, no. My flight's later tonight. I'm at the airport for the abs. Then I'm going right back to ball arena. Then I'm going to the airport again. I'm like, no one must hate how far the airport is away more than DMAC right now. Uh, also our company who is getting all the expense report from all the gas miles. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting things to ask Josh. I mean, if you want to focus on the KSE aspects, there's tons of angles between abs, nuggets, Rams, Arsenal, Rapids, Mammoth even, who are obviously in the, the their final. But just specifically on the Nuggets, I think some of the main questions I have, which this is the presser that's focusing on the Nuggets, is Josh Kroenke going to take a more day-to-day and hands-on role with the organization? Or has he already started to even going back into the Conley era a little bit? And now that we found out as we put on DenverFan.com yesterday that Tim Conley wasn't actually offered an ownership stake, but rather bonuses based on team value, which is very common for executives in American sports, why couldn't the Cronkies match that? Were you shocked when you found out this news? Because it seemed like he had ownership stake 100%. Like, that was why he was leaving. Um, Based on what Shams and Woj reported, which are normally rock solid, Shams mm-hmm. was on 104.3 The Fan and said that he's going to have some sort of equity option in the future, which to me sounded like a stock option almost mm-hmm. uh, that could have vested in 10 years where he could have bought it at the price that it is now, but it would have been up to him. Um, so that's a pretty common thing. But the change in that lingo and the change of what was actually offered, I mean, we still don't know for sure because it hasn't come from an official source. It's just Mark Stein reporting, and he's also a really good reporter. But you have Mark Stein, a really good reporter, refuting Woj and Shams, who are very good reporters. So it's it, it's hard to tell exactly what's happening. But according to Mark Stein's report, yeah, it's pretty shocking that the Cronkies aren't willing to give bonuses for their executives for raising the franchise value. And if you want to tell me that Tim Conley isn't worth $8.5 million per year, I would tell you you're absolutely ludicrous. Tim Conley has been the face of this organization off the floor for a few years. We haven't heard Josh or Stan Kroenke in half a decade, maybe even more. They don't like talking to the media. They don't like taking credit or necessarily taking the blame. They had Tim Conley in a position where everyone knew he was spearheading the organization and he got most of the blame and or credit. So 
I am kind of just befuddled by the fact that these people who are very recluse, uh, recluses in the Cronkies chose not to spend just a couple po- couple dollars, which is pocket change to them, and making sure they could keep Tim Conley. And Tim Conley even said in his introdu- introductory press conference to the Timberwolves media, he would still be here today if the offer from the Nuggets was in the same ballpark. They didn't even need to match. They just needed to get close. So it seems absolutely ridiculous to sit here going into this press conference and take anything Josh Kroenke is going to take, say seriously and believe that they're actually committed to winning as they let their executive of years walk and they sit there in their non-training facility facility, uh, which looks more like a hockey rink today. I'm sure they're converting it into a lacrosse arena right now. It's just, it's, it's just so sad that this is the state of the nuggets, but yeah, I mean, from a, from a, that's from the macro standpoint of the nuggets from the minute standpoint, you have all sorts of questions like how willing are the Cronkies actually going to spend be and spending into the luxury tax, um, why are they raising the season ticket prices? Is that to cover for the fact that they're going to have to spend on the luxury taxes? I've talked to fans that have said their season t- ticket prices have raised 40% year over year. Um, there's also the altitude TV question. Like there is, if, if you gave Jake Shapiro, Josh Kroenke and said, you have an unlimited amount of time to talk to Josh, we would still be talking until the Avs played their next game Saturday at seven o'clock. I have so many questions for this man. And unfortunately, it's probably going to be a 15 to 30 minute press conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, little Jake's going to have tr- trouble getting in there versus Mr. Dusty Old Cowtown reporter guy from the post. First of all, I didn't know that about the season tickets. Wow, that's one. If you had to make a guess, what's going to be the first conversation question that you think is going to be talked about? Do you think it's going to be altitude? Do you think it's going to be ticket prices? Tim Connolly? Where do, where do you think it's headed right off the bat? I think that Mike Singer from the Denver Post is going to get the first question, and he's probably going to ask um, something about the organizational makeup with Tim Conley now gone. We still haven't actually had it verified that Calvin Booth is the lead basketball ops person. He has been reported as such, but again, these are the same reporters that are conflicting on this other thing. Um, It seems pretty obvious and evident that Calvin Booth is that. Also, we heard a report that Tim Conley wasn't going to be taking anyone from the Nuggets front office with him to Minnesota, which is a very big changeup from what happened with Musai Ujiri leaving for Toronto a few years ago, uh, eight years, nine years ago, and the Nuggets having to rebuild their entire organization. So that's a good sign. But promoting Booth from, even if they don't promote Booth from GM, their president of basketball operations role is going to be vacant, which makes Booth the de facto president of basketball operations. And doing that, they're just saving money there by not promoting him in title. Um, So I'm curious as to what his title is because he is highly respected throughout the league. And are they putting themselves in the same position where they see executives as a resolving revolving door of replaceable people rather than, um, you know, commodities and ways to honestly game the salary cap. I mean, this is a salary cap sports sport executives and coaches aren't under the salary cap. If you give executives and coaches more money and you spend more on training facilities, it's a way to improve your team. Yes. In the margins, but it's still a way to improve your team and show your fiscal 
uh, investment in ways that aren't taxable and aren't effective towards your salary cap. So these are just, you know, little things where the Cronkies nickel and dime and you start to question, oh, so how much has this Altitude TV contract actually had an effect? How much of the Rapids not having a kit sponsor for the last three years had an effect? Like these are all these little things that are like, okay, well, that's just a million dollars here, a million dollars here for this $10 billion net worth guy. But it all starts to add up. And then you're talking about the Nuggets being, you know, maybe $10 million off on their offer to Conley. I'm just making up a number. Well, how much money would they have made on Altitude TV over the last few years? And this is just me speculating. I mean, I don't know how tied in these different entities are that are owned by KSE Properties, but it would make sense to me that you take a dollar from here, you're not going to have that dollar over there. Oh, I, I definitely understand, Jake. I'm excited to hear what Josh Kroenke is going to see. I hope people are just as passionate about you and actually ask the hard-hitting questions instead of just asking him very basic questions. Because like you mentioned, we don't get to talk to Josh Kroenke or any of the Kroenkes very often, so we can only hope that we can get some answers here Hey, today. Rachel, how awesome was it that the Rams won the Super Bowl this year? Woohoo, here in Denver. We care oh so very, very much. You know what's actually an interesting question on that? What what Josh, what do you think about your I think it would be uncle or maybe cousin in law? I'm not sure. What do you think about Rob Walton's bid? I mean, obviously they know each other, they're somewhat family. What do you think about Rob Walton's bid? Has that been talked about at all in familial circles? Have you guys gone to the NFL and and you know backed Rob? What's that? situation like that's actually an interesting question and I wonder if one of the Broncos guys who I'm sure is going to show up is going to ask that as well that's a great question I would love to be at a family gathering for all of that the Waltons and the Cronkies what an interesting dinner you would probably <laughs> I've, I've watched Succession and Billions no thank you on the other hand the food would be absolutely incredible like t-bone steaks like just absolutely incredible you got a chef just slaving away out there like that's probably a five-star chef on his normal day so that would be good that would be the good part the conversation however terrible i'd rather go to colfax and eat at pete's kitchen (laughs) i love the honesty i love the honesty i do want to say at the key is or key KSE um, circle or realm real quick because Jared Bednar might have given us a hint as to who the starting goalkeeper can be for game three. It's up in the air. It could be between Darcy Kemper if he's feeling better or Pavel Fronsos after he shut out the Oilers. Take a listen. Jared, did Pavel do enough tonight to earn the start in game three, even if Darcy's cleared? Yeah, we'll see. Stay in. Stay in the third row. On that, yeah. what what will go into that decision for you if Darcy is cleared? Yeah, we'll evaluate the game and we'll talk to Darcy and Frankie, and then we'll make our decision. Stay on the right side. I love the smirk. The smirk gets me. I love Corey in the comments. He's saying, "Watch his smirk. Look at his face. Ha ha! It's Frankie." I'm going to guess, too, it's going to be Frankie um, that we're going to see out there for game three. I don't know how you could possibly pull him after that. And it just seems like Darcy, we're obviously not in the locker room, but I think that this is a lingering issue if it is still his eye that they're dealing with issues. And because Jared Bernard won't comment on it at all, it kind of leads me to believe it's something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't comment on any injury issues. He didn't comment on whether Burkowski was a healthy scratch or an injury yesterday as well. I was in that press conference too. Um, what 
I find interesting about the situation is Darcy was not even healthy enough to be the backup last night. So you're going to tell me over 48 hours, Darcy goes from being healthy enough to be a backup to being the starter. I don't see that. Now, Pavel going into that game is going to have a pretty long leash if he's not the starter because you don't want a backup who's got a handful of games in the NHL playing his first playoff game in game three of the Western Conference Final. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if they're in a situation where somehow Darcy's going to be the backup for Pavel, and I'm sure Darcy's going to travel for mm -hmm. to try and get on the ice for game four too. But if, if, if Darcy's going to be the backup because he's traveled, you wonder if there's going to be a really quick hook because of you have Darcy sitting there and you wonder if Pavel gets a little shaky, but yeah, Frankie's gotta be the starter. You know, it's like the thing in baseball that drives me endlessly crazy. I understand why you don't want a righty hitting against a righty and a lefty hitting against a left-handed pitcher. It is harder. There are matchup problems, but if you're telling me that guy hit two home, home runs the day before, there's no way I'm taking him out of the lineup. It just shows your confidence in him as a coach. Mm -hmm. It shows that you believe in maybe his ability to keep a hot streak going, all these things. But Pavel Francos was as good as any goalie in the entire world of hockey last night. He didn't allow a goal. That's as good as it gets. He was playing the supposed best player in the sport and Connor McDavid and did not allow a goal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you cannot not play Pavel Francos in Saturday's game three. And you know what? I wish I would have told Chris I had a video of Jared Bednar smiling because it's something we don't see very often either. Him and Joe Sackick, they have to have something going on because neither one of them you catch a smile very often. But we got one from Jared Bednar right there. Well, Jake, we've only got a few more minutes left. Let's go into some Broncos talk because yesterday we saw Russell Wilson in the Broncos orange. And boy, oh boy, does he look good. We got to see a lot of them. I believe they were doing media team pictures. They look Awesome. It's so exciting to see Russell Wilson in that Broncos orange. They look great. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting and all, but I was more jealous of him being able to rock his outfit at Monaco this past weekend with Ciara. Like, they looked amazing. I mean, every time Russell Wilson goes anywhere, he looks amazing. I guess that's just kind of the vibe. Uh, he was at the Avs game last night, too. Uh, speaking of which, we should just start posting on, like, our site, every single Broncos player that goes to Denver sporting events and just keep a running list of how many games they're going to uh, so you get a little contest to see who's the biggest Denver sports fan between the, 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 uh, the players around town. We should also have people just tag us in any photos that they take. Cause we know somebody sent DMAC a picture of him with Russell Wilson. Like oh, it was a group of them with Russell Wilson. People had pictures with Nathaniel Hackett. Dalton Reisner was in the building. He got the crowd pumped up. There were a lot of Broncos in attendance last night. So awesome to see. We love obviously when these sports overlap, plus it's fun when the Avs are obviously at the Western conference final. Did you know, I heard DMAC yesterday. It's not finals. It's final Western yep. conference final. I'm, yeah, okay, that's right. one of those things you have to get right when you're a writer, Rachel, like, because mm. people will see it right away. You can't like kind of slip it in over the course of just talking very fastly. Uh -huh. um, here, here's the part that'll mess you up, though. In basketball, it's the Western Conference Finals. Yes. Yeah. So in basketball, Western Conference Finals. In the NHL, Western Conference Finals. Final. Yeah. It's so the NBA Finals in the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah. Hockey is no S. NBA S. 
Now you know, everybody. Take that with you on your weekend, Jake. As always, thank you for hanging out with me on Coffee Break. Huge shout out to, to Chris Dingman for hanging out with us, providing a little bit of insight. And we will see everybody tomorrow night, immediately following the game. We are post-game live with James Marilat and Will Peterson. And then if not, both Jake and I will be back here with James on Monday. So we will see everybody then. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye, Rachel.